0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories: unrest in the Middle East, Israel launches airstrikes against Islamic Jihad, a designated terrorist group, and Jihad begins a counterattack. A major breakthrough for the Democrats' health care and climate bill. What President Biden and Republicans say about the package and the latest jobs report. A bus full of illegal immigrants arrives in Manhattan today. It might be the first of many coming from Texas. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wrapping up her trip in Asia is met with more backlash from the Chinese Communist Party. Eleven live golf players have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour. A sports lawyer says they've got a strong case. Israel says its military killed a senior commander of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorist group in Gaza. The Israeli forces launched large-scale airstrikes in the region earlier today. Here are the details.
1: The Israeli defense forces announced Friday that they launched airstrikes across the Gaza Strip against terrorist targets. They say they killed Taysir Jabari, a senior commander of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorist group.
2: Residents of Gaza, over the past four days Islamic Jihad movement insisted on mounting an operation against the state of Israel regardless of the security and civilian implications in the Gaza Strip. Israeli defense forces targeted those who are working on destabilizing the security situation and we will not allow them to harm the residents in Israel.
1: The airstrikes came amid days of tension following Israel's arrest of a senior Islamic Jihad leader in West Bank. Israel closed roads around Gaza earlier this week and sent reinforcements to the border. The Israeli defense minister says Israel is not targeting civilians in Gaza. The Israeli Prime Minister also spoke following the airstrikes.
2: The action in Gaza today was in the face of concrete threats that disrupted the routine of life in the South. Israel is not interested in a broad campaign in Gaza, but neither is it afraid of it.
1: According to Palestinian authorities, the airstrikes killed at least nine other people, including a five-year-old girl, and wounded 55 others. They didn't say whether they were terrorists or civilians. The Islamic Jihad movement vows revenge.
2: This is a declaration of all-out war against the Palestinian people. We will respond to that. This is a violation and disregard for all the efforts that have been made over the past days in order to restore calm.
1: The Israeli Prime Minister said that his country had zero tolerance for attacks from Gaza, but no interest in a broader battle. Islamic Jihad fired dozens of rockets toward Israel through the night, but Israel says they were able to intercept most of them using the Iron Dome. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News.
0: Earlier today, I spoke with Aryeh Lightstone, who has a lot of experience in the region. He was a senior advisor to the U.S. Ambassador to Israel and special envoy for the Abraham Accords. And he's the author of the book, Let My People Know, The Incredible Story of Middle East Peace and What Lies Ahead. Aryeh Lightstone, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Stephanie. Nice to see you again.
0: Likewise. Now, Israel has killed a senior military leader of the Islamic Jihad group, which the U.S. designates as a terrorist organization. What do we know about this target?
3: Well, uh, uh, Islamic Jihad wreaks, havoc even amongst gaza which is filled with people who wreak havoc and when you talk about extremists they are amongst the most extreme there and it is their goal always to be able to be the last people to fire a shot at the beginning of a ceasefire and the first people to fire the first shot to create a disaster so they practice terror every time they fire a rocket it's a double war crime they fire from a civilian area deliberately at civilian areas these are really really bad guys
0: How could the death of Taisir al-Jabari impact the Islamic Jihad group?
3: Yeah, meaningfully, again, these groups don't have fantastic organizational charts. They have very top-heavy leadership. They take direction directly from their leaders. So every time you can get rid of a mastermind of one of these leadership groups, you have an opportunity to weaken them immediately over the long term, over the short term. There's a sense of revenge. There's a sense of trying to cause chaos to avenge the loss. Of their leader and you'll have a lot of people trying to find their way to into this leadership piece but the death of this guy running islamic jihad out of gaza is a win for people who like freedom and a win for civilians everywhere
0: a number of deaths have been reported around this incident there's so much bloodshed in this region is there another way or is it inevitable considering the circumstances
3: Do you th- uh, considering the circumstances Considering the circumstances, is inevitable. But if you watch the precision strike that was taken, the sensitivity that Israel has to try to root out only the terrorists is second to any other military in the world. Now, what winds up happening in Gaza is that the people of Gaza are true um, victims to Hamas. But everybody knew who they were living next door to with this person. It's not a secret. Everybody in Gaza knows who the Hamas members are, who the Islamic Jihad members are, who the members of other terror organizations are, and they choose to be there. Now, if there was an option to live somewhere else, some of them would possibly do that, but most of them do not. And there's a risk that's associated with that, and the ultimate risk is placed by the leader of Islamic Jihad who chooses to live in a civilian area. He is a legitimate military target, and by placing himself by civilians, that's a war crime. He is trying to create the news of Israelis attacking civilians, when by far that is not their intention.
0: So would you say that there are terrorists hiding among civilians in order to avoid strikes from Israel?
3: Oh, absolutely. That is their greatest security is to surround themselves with their mothers and their wives and their children, thinking that is the ultimate safety net for them, the cowardice that these terrorists purport to have, sending other people to die on behalf of their mission, and at that time, PROTECTING THEMSELVES WITH INNOCENT CIVILIANS, IT IS REALLY THE HEIGHT OF HYPOCRISY.
0: RISING TENSIONS IN THE REGION, ISLAMIC JIHAD HAS VOWED TO RETALIATE. WHAT DO YOU EXPECT TO HAPPEN NEXT AND INTO THE FUTURE?
3: WELL, WHAT'S HAPPENING AS WE SPEAK IS ROCKETS ARE BEING FIRED FROM GAZA INTO ISRAEL. ISRAEL HAS THIS UNBELIEVABLE INNOVATION CALLED THE IRON DOME THAT HAS THE ABILITY TO SHOOT THESE ROCKETS OUT OF THE SKY, AND YOU HAVE 19- AND 20-YEAR-OLD YOUNG MEN AND YOUNG WOMEN who have to make a split-second decision whether or not to blow up that rocket or to let that rocket fall, hopefully harmless, into a field. I sat there with their missile batteries and watched these young men and women make these decisions in real time. It's an enormous amount of responsibility for an 18-, 19-, 20-year-old to decide how to protect their civilians that are sitting behind them. But there's an untold crisis that happens in Israel. And I was there when My wife and I had the privilege to work for the United States of America. We lived through three crises of rockets being shot from Gaza. If you've woken up in the middle of the night and tried to bring your kids down to a shelter and had to sleep there or tell your kids they can't go to school today because of the danger of rocket fire, while nobody was injured during those uh, attacks in my family and my neighborhood, the trauma is felt by my kids. To wake up in the middle of the night and to bring the kids down, it's truly traumatic. And and what the goal of terrorism is, is to terrorize. And they are successful in terrorizing. It's a disaster.
0: And how do you see this playing out long term?
3: It seems to be, as Israel calls it, mowing the grass, try to keep the terrorism down to a minimum. I don't know any other country. That will tolerate what would be considered a minimal amount of terrorism. There's even, according to the Europeans, there's an acceptable amount of rocket fire that can be fired from Gaza into Israel before the, Israel has a right to defend itself. One of the things that I know that we worked on in the previous administration was banishing the lexicon of Israel has a right to defend itself. You see many American politicians getting up and tweeting, Israel has a right to defend itself. That's an insane proposition. If you say they have a right, somebody else has the ability to say they don't have a right. Israel has a moral obligation to defend itself and its citizens. And every moment that they're not doing that, they are derelict in their obligation. It's not a negotiable right. Every citizen that goes to sleep at night in any country that they are part of should assume that their country is going to do everything possible to attack them. Israel, as the one Jewish state, seems to be held to a different standard time and time again, just as you and I spoke earlier this week about the eradication of the head of al-Qaeda for his per- uh, perpetuating terror, so, too, we should be very happy that there's another person who wakes up every morning trying to kill civilians is now eliminated. And we should stand with Israel, not because Israel has a right to defend itself, but because Israel has an obligation to defend itself.
0: R A Lightstone, former special envoy for the Abraham Accords and author of Let My People Know, thank you for your time.
3: Thank you, Stephanie.
0: And now to a surprisingly strong jobs report, which is cheered by President Biden, yet dismissed by Republicans. NTD's Iris Tau has their responses and the latest on an ambitious economic package.
4: More than 500,000 jobs added in July, a number well surpassing expectations. And President Biden, while still positive with COVID, hailing Friday's job report at the White House's outdoor balcony.
2: Today, there are more people working in America than before the pandemic began.
4: And Republican Senator John Barrasso tells NTD while job
2: numbers are up. To families, they are having a harder and harder time keeping up. Because even if they're working, even if they got a bit of a raise, the raise has not kept up with the cost of inflation.
4: With others adding.
5: I'm very pleased that we've got strong job growth, but we're in a recession.
4: The debate over the state of the economy comes as democrats are making headway on passing a massive economic package
6: this is a very 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 big deal
4: the bill will invest about 400 billion dollars in fighting climate change and lowering drug prices and now with senator kirsten cinema's backing it can pass without any republican votes here's president biden speaking on it today
2: we're going to save american families hundreds of dollars a year on paying their energy bills by allowing them to have money to invest by getting allowing them to put in new windows and doors and solar panels and the like and get tax credits for that.
4: But Republicans are slamming it as Democrats.
2: Climate slush funds.
4: Adding that a 15% minimum corporate tax included in the package would hurt the economy.
7: We're raising gas taxes in the name of lowering inflation.
4: And Republican senators tell us they'll be doing everything to defeat this bill on top of offering a lot of amendments.
2: Energy, inflation, the border, and crime expect to see amendments on all of those things.
4: Meanwhile, Schumer says he hopes the Senate could begin voting on it this Saturday. And the House, which is narrowly controlled by Democrats, could potentially pass it next week. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tau, NTD News. First DC, now New York.
0: This morning, the first bus from Texas transporting illegal immigrants arrived in Manhattan. Here's that story.
5: A bus filled with migrants sent by Texas Governor Greg Abbott arrived in the Big Apple Friday morning. According to Abbott, the people on the bus entered the U.S. illegally. A Venezuelan man explained why he came to the U.S.
8: We really want to work, to move forward, to start a new life, to see if we can bring over the family or to help them so that they can come.
5: A spokesperson for New York City responded to the governor's action, saying he's using human beings for his political gain and that the city will continue to welcome asylum seekers with open arms. In April, Abbott started dropping off illegal immigrants in Washington near the U.S. Capitol. Now the Republican governor is expanding the program, saying in a statement that New York will be an additional drop-off location. In addition to Washington, D.C., New York City is the ideal destination for these migrants who can receive the abundance of city services and housing that Mayor Eric Adams has boasted about within the sanctuary city. D.C. is already feeling the impact of the buses that have been coming. On Friday, the Pentagon denied a request for National Guard assistance made by Mayor Muriel Bowser to handle the influx. The Pentagon told the Epoch Times the request was denied because nonprofits in DC already received enough funding to provide migrant assistance. Also because the deployment would negatively affect the National Guard's readiness. According to Todd Bensman, senior fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies, Abbott's plan of sending the migrants to Democrat-led cities will not result in less migrants coming into the U.S. He says the leaders in those cities will ask the federal government for a different solution.
9: What they're asking for uh, is a solution that has nothing to do with blocking, stopping, deporting, deterring people from coming over the border, but to just ask the federal government for money to be able to pay for all the social services, the extra social services.
5: He added that over
9: two million people
5: came into the U.S. illegally in the past 18 months. According to Bentsman. Most of them were already traveling to Democrat-led cities like New York and D.C. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: And looking abroad, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today met with Japan's Prime Minister and the Japanese Speaker as she and the delegation of U.S. lawmakers wrapped up their trip to Asia. Pelosi also responded to China's backlash following her trip to Taiwan. Here's NTD's Melina Weisskopf with more.
10: From Japan, House Speaker Pelosi responded to the Chinese Communist Party's aggressive reaction to her Taiwan visit days earlier.
11: They may try to keep Taiwan from visiting or participating in other places, but they will not isolate Taiwan by preventing us to travel there. We've had high-level visits, senators in the spring, a bipartisan way, continuing visits and we will not allow them to isolate Taiwan they are not doing our travel schedule
10: these comments come as china announced they're sanctioning pelosi for visiting taiwan china's foreign ministry spokesperson announced the sanctions on friday calling pelosi's visit to taiwan an egregious provocation China is continuing to send vessels through the Taiwan Strait and flying warplanes into its self-declared air defense zone. And some of those ballistic missiles targeted at Taiwan landed near Japan's waters. And reports now reveal that China also flew drones close to Japan today. This is how Speaker Pelosi met with Japan's prime minister in the morning local time. In a bilateral meeting with Japan's Speaker Hosoda and members of the national diet, Speaker Pelosi underscored Japan's leadership role in the Asia-Pacific region. The speaker says security was central to their purpose in visiting the region.
0: And The Chinese regime has now announced it is cutting off all dialogue with the U.S. on major issues, including climate cooperation. The White House has summoned China's ambassador to the U.S. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby told The Washington Post to quote, After China's actions overnight, we summoned Ambassador Qin Gang to the White House to demarche him about the PRC's provocative actions. Kirby also said that the Chinese regime's actions are irresponsible and at odds with maintaining peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. And now to an update on the Indiana Congresswoman who died in a car crash this week. Local law enforcement is now saying the SUV she was in crossed the center line, crashing into an oncoming car. The Elkhart County Sheriff's Office previously said that the oncoming car had crossed the line. They clarified on Thursday that the vehicle Walorsky was in had had caused the accident. They said it was not known why the SUV didn't stay in its lane. The sheriff's office said they looked at video evidence and talked to witnesses before correcting their account of what happened. Republican Congresswoman Wilorski was first elected in 2012. She was seeking re-election this year. And coming up, over 100 churches are leaving their denomination. Their reason? The denomination's stance on homosexuality. That and more in just a moment on NTD News. Over 100 member churches are suing the United Methodist Church, or UMC, saying it won't let them separate unless they pay a lot of money. The UMC's stance on homosexuality is the reason the church has decided to separate. NTD's Arlene Richards has the story.
11: 106 churches are leaving the United Methodist Church, a Christian denomination that connects Methodist congregations around the world. The Christian Post reported they're leaving because they're frustrated that the UMC isn't enforcing its stance against homosexuality and same-sex marriage. The UMC's Book of Discipline, the Central Book of Rules, specifies how a local church can separate from the denomination. But the churches are saying the UMC's making it difficult for them to leave. In July, the churches filed a lawsuit. Their attorney, David Gibbs, says some bishops are abusing their authority to stop the churches from leaving.
5: Trying to keep all of the assets and all of the money and financially cripple the churches.
11: And Are your churches claiming that the United Methodist Church is not following the Book of Discipline in terms of um, them leaving?
5: Absolutely. There is a Book of Discipline, which is a slightly under-thousand-page manual that has been voted on and approved and delineates many practices, doctrines, and procedures for the Methodist. And we are asserting strongly that the denomination is cherry-picking the Book of Discipline. When it works to their advantage financially, they want to look to it. When they want to ignore it because it's in their mind to their advantage to ignore it, they do
12: so.
11: We reached out to the UMC, but we didn't hear back before broadcast time. The UMC Bishop of the Florida Conference, Ken Carter, said in a statement that the UMC was committed to providing a gracious exit consistent with the common process outlined in the Book of Discipline. He said the churches are refusing to follow that process and filing the lawsuit instead. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: And on to 5G internet. It's now apparently on the rise, trying to replace the traditional broadband internet we've all been using for years. But will it succeed? NTD's Phil Zou has what you need to know.
8: It's a battle between the old and the new. Your trusty wired broadband internet versus the new wireless 5G internet.
12: It's essentially a glorified hotspot.
8: So who's winning?
1: I didn't have to pay for the modem. There wasn't a sign-up fee. I thought, you know... If it's cheaper and faster, that's a win.
8: The two biggest U.S. cable companies, Charter, a.k.a. Spectrum, and Comcast, reported losing over 50,000 broadband internet customers in the second quarter. Compared to fixed wireless 5G providers like T-Mobile, it added over half a million customers during that same period. T-Mobile says more than half of its new customers switch over from broadband internet.
12: I think it's been fascinating to see uh, T-Mobile in particular tap into these frustration customers.
8: Jameson Zimmer is an authority in the internet provider space, working as the managing director at Fair Internet Report.
12: There's a big pent-up demographic of frustrated customers who are now able to jump onto something new. And even though The service from T-Mobile has some issues around video quality and bandwidth constraints. People are just really enthusiastic about having a new option on the street, essentially.
8: But Zimmer says he doesn't expect the 5G wireless success to last, because if too many people start using the service, issues might come up.
1: It just wouldn't work. Like, the pages wouldn't open. They were really slow.
8: Nina Clear works from home as a marketing professional. She counts on reliable internet to make a living. That's why she pays $80 a month for broadband cable internet. But back in February, because T-Mobile offered a cheaper option at only $50 a month, she decided to give fixed wireless 5G internet a try.
1: I gave it a couple days and it just wouldn't work. I just couldn't get it to work, so I took it back. And I did see a signal. The signal was like four or five bars. It wasn't like I didn't see a signal, but it just wouldn't work for me.
8: Zimmer says the true competition to traditional broadband internet is not wireless 5G, but fiber.
12: The 5G, fixed 5G home internet service is a really compelling product for a customer whose only option is cable. But if they have fiber as an option, which is a more reliable service with about twice the speed capability, um, it's it's a, a bit less of a contest.
8: Shares for broadband internet providers like Comcast and Charter are trading at near two-year lows, down 25% and 33% year-to-date, respectively. Phil Zo, NTD News.
0: And here to take a deeper dive into the latest jobs report is NTD's Don Ma interviewing Paul McDonald. He's the senior executive director at human resource consulting firm Robert Half.
13: Paul, thank you for joining us today. So 528,000 jobs added this month. I I was very surprised, quite surprised when I saw it this morning, very easily surpassing expectations. What's the takeaway here, Paul?
14: Well, the takeaway is that the job market for the past eight months, uh, actually since the um, rebound from the pandemic, has been very, very good. Um, 528, as you mentioned, 528,000 jobs created and a revision for the previous two months actually showed the strength in the job market today. And unemployment at 3.5 percent, that ticked down a little bit. And a real uh, interesting fact, too, is college degreed workers, the unemployment rate is at 2 percent, which is uh, not usually reported, but we follow that closely.
13: Some say we're technically in a recession, right? Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. So how does this month's very surprising and high jobs numbers fit into that discussion?
14: I've been in business for a while. I've been through a few recessions. Um, I can only speak to the labor market today. It really is a, a good market to be a job seeker. It's hard for employers to find individuals today. The recession talk... I'm not an economist, but I can say that I've never seen a recession that hasn't had um, a, a, that has had labor so um, hard to find with unemployment so low. or for every two openings, there's only one person that's available today that's unemployed. Those companies that are doing everything they can to um, offer competitive salaries, uh, to make sure that they're offering good benefits, to offer good career advancement, and to help upskill, um, their employee, N- not only the incoming employee, but let's talk about retention strategies. As long as you can get the person on board, or if you have the person on board, you have to focus on retention as well as acquisition.
13: What would your advice be for businesses to better retain their workforce?
14: Well, if you're looking to retain individuals, first of all, look at what each individual as an individual. Uh, manage them, communicate with them, lead them, Review all your um, pushes and pulls in terms of what it is to lead employees and to manage employees. Heavy communication, especially if they're remote or in a hybrid situation, make sure that you're communicating with them regularly and you're looking at their career advancement opportunities. If you can't offer salaries, then look at what you can do to help upskill that individual, teach them new things because that's what they're after uh, in, in addition to salary bumps. Some companies are offering stay bonuses to individuals in order to retain them. Um, And in addition to those other strategies, they're looking at culture. How can we make sure that it's a culture that is sticky, that it's going to uh, help retain individuals, but also attract individuals? I see.
13: So just one last question, Paul. For your report, you talked to more than 1,500 managers, right? Which sector in the labor market is it the easiest to find a job right now?
14: Oh, well, at all levels in which we cover an accounting and finance technology, um, healthcare care on the back office, uh, creative and marketing, legal and um, high higher end administrative staffing, all those uh, areas are good. I would point out there's coding, there's help desk um, individuals that are in high demand, financial analysts and senior accountants, um, marketing managers, com- corporate communications individuals and attorneys are in high demand.
13: All right. Thank you very much for your insight. Paul McDonald, Senior Executive Director at Robert Half, pleasure talking to you today.
14: Pleasure to chat with you.
0: And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up, a chain reaction car crash in California led to a fiery explosion and multiple deaths. And 11 live golf players have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour. A sports lawyer believes they have a strong case. That and more after the break on NTD News. Welcome back. A car crash in L.A. yesterday resulted in multiple deaths and destroyed several cars. NTD's Jackie Rios has the latest details.
15: On Thursday afternoon, a car ran a red light about 10 miles southwest of downtown Los Angeles, causing a fiery car crash that led six dead and nine injured. One baby was killed and six children were hurt. According to the California Highway Patrol, eight individuals were hospitalized. The female driver of the Mercedes-Benz that allegedly ran the red light and set off the chain reaction of crashes survived. As of Friday morning, all the surviving victims have since been released from hospitals. The CHP says only the female driver is still being treated at Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. One of the victims involved was just about to get out of her car when she heard an explosion. Another witness standing at a nearby gas station said she saw a large fireball erupt from the collision. According to NBC4, the female driver is a traveling nurse. The driver has been placed under arrest on suspicion of vehicular manslaughter, CHP officials said. The district attorney's office will determine the criminal charges. So far, there has been no reports of alcohol or drugs being involved. Jackie Rios, NTD News, Los Angeles.
0: And staying in California, there could be massive rent increases on the way for millions of people in the state. Landlords are now legally allowed to increase costs by as much as 10 percent for some homes. NTD's Andrew Thomas reports.
16: Statewide safeguards to prevent evictions during the pandemic have come to an end. Legislation limits rent increases to 5 percent. But now that inflation has ballooned, the limit is up to 10
9: percent. Eulises del Bosque
16: is fighting eviction proceedings from his new landlord.
9: I feel a little nervous every time I come to the mail because I don't know if there's going to be an eviction note or a note from the court. Whenever I come to the mail, I come with my nerves on end, too stressed.
16: Juan Garcia has lived next door for 17 years. He too is fighting eviction. That's because he's refused to pay an increased rent
9: rate. Yes, I'm worried because they, well, they wanted to raise the rent, but unfortunately, I told them, no, no, I did not accept that they raised it, but the other tenants did.
16: A local group called Strategic Action for a Just Economy gives free legal advice to renters.
11: Many tenants
8: saw decided decreases in their income during the pandemic. So we're in an unfortunate situation where uh, inflation may allow landlords to increase Rent just at a time when, when tenants can't really afford it at all.
16: Larry Rubinstein owns around twenty apartment complexes in Los Angeles and has hundreds of tenants. He says the rent increases are necessary.
12: Operating a building costs a lot of money. And it doesn't like it's not
5: clipping coupons. This is a business. We run a business. We we try to run a good business. We
12: try to take care of the residents.
16: Los Angeles is now one of the most expensive places to live in the United States. According to Zillow.com, the median rent for a property is now just over $3,100 a month. That's an increase of $782 in rents over the last year and 45% higher than the national median. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And now to Nebraska, where four people were found dead on Thursday in the small farming town of Laurel. Police responded to reports of explosions and fires at two separate residences in the town.
7: Local police and fire departments arrived at the first residence. They found the first victim. A short time later, a second fire was reported at a home several blocks away and three more victims were found there.
9: Foul play is suspected in these deaths. We will not be releasing the identities of those involved at this time as this investigation is in a very early stage
7: A silver sedan was spotted leaving Laurel, located about 40 miles west of Sioux City, Iowa, soon after the second fire. The driver may have picked up a passenger before leaving town, and either of them may have burn injuries.
0: And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories.
2: Six-time major winner Phil Mickelson is among 11 live golfers who filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour. The suit claims the tour has used their monopoly power to defeat the competition and unfairly suspend players. According to U.S. sports attorney William Block, the suspended golfers, though, have a strong case because they're independent contractors, not employees of the PGA.
7: So, they're free to contract with the tour and they're free to contract with other entities um, under the antitrust rules in the United States. So it's it's really a question of, of whether um, the tours engage in anti-competitive conduct or conduct to monopolize the, the relevant market.
2: Brock also points out that some of the language used by the PGA executives shows their motives and is a detriment to their case.
7: Um, this, this quote that's in the motion for preliminary injunction was alleged to have been made by a, a, a PGA representative who said, we hold all the cards. We don't want these guys playing. We don't care what the courts say. Ultimately,
2: Brock thinks it's in the best interest of the PGA to settle, citing that the money that Liv has.
7: No one else has, has come into the, the golf marketplace with the sort of economic um, firepower that the Live tour has. and and that makes them both a viable competitor and somebody that you probably don't want to fight with over an extended period of time. So I would not at all be surprised if there weren't some accommodation.
2: The next live golf event is scheduled for September two to four in Boston. In sports memorabilia news, a rare Honus Wagner baseball card sold for a record $7.25 million Thursday according to an announcement from collectibles marketplace, Golden. The amount is better than a million dollars more than the previous record, which was also a Wagner card that sold last year. The rare card was made in 1909 by American Tobacco Company, and because of a dispute between the player and the then manufacturer, only about 50 to 60 are believed to be in existence. Wagner is a baseball Hall of Famer who played from 1897 to 1917. His dispute with the card company has several theories, with one being that he didn't want to be associated with smoking tobacco and asked for his card to be pulled, while others say he didn't think he was fairly compensated for granting his likeness to a card company. And in tennis news, 22-time Grand Slam champion Rafael Nadal withdrew from a tournament in Montreal because of a lingering abdominal injury. Nadal had to pull out of Wimbledon last month, citing the same injury. Before doing so, though, the 36-year-old gutted out a five-set win over American Taylor Fritz in the quarterfinals at the All England club while clearly in pain. He then had to pull out of a semi-final match against Nick Kyrgios. Nadal won this year's Australian Open, as well as a French Open. And if rival Novak Djokovic is unable to play the U.S. Open because of his vaccination status, Nadal would be the clear favorite. That's all for your sports news today. Back to you, Steph.
0: Thanks, Dave. And still to come, we talked to a China expert who says invading Taiwan would end in disaster for the Chinese Communist Party. And Kyiv speaks out about Amnesty International's report that accuses Ukraine of breaking the law and endangering civilians. That and more after the break. Welcome back. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the Chinese regime's military exercises near Taiwan represent a significant escalation. The drills included firing missiles into the Taiwan Strait and Japan's economic zone. NTD's Jane Werrell talked to a China expert who says for the Chinese Communist Party, invading Taiwan would end in disaster.
17: Military exercises in the seas around Taiwan, following a visit to Taiwan by a senior U.S. politician, Nancy Pelosi. Is it the start of an invasion?
18: No, I don't think it is the start of an invasion. Uh, I don't think that the Chinese the um, Communist Party intends to invade uh, in the next few years. It would be a disaster for it if it did, an economic disaster, uh, and, and that would uh, have heavy impact on, on the uh, employment situation in China and the likelihood that people without a social security net would protest, demonstrate, possibly riot and and, and even become an existential threat to the party. So I think they could work that one out for themselves.
17: And the timing of Nancy Pelosi's visit, in your view, why why does she visit at this moment?
18: Well, I, I'm not um, party to Nancy Pelosi's um, particular cogitations on this, but I would imagine that um, now August is is the time when. Uh, the the house of representatives is not sitting so she's free to come for a start uh, i mean one has to look at practicalities so uh, i think it's quite usual for her and her her elk to to travel in in the month of august and of course she is she's reaching the end of uh almost certainly reaching the end of her stage as a speaker in the house of representatives and i think she wants to make a last um point about her support for taiwan democracy uh and and um underline her stance on human rights so all that comes together
17: he says we're likely to see more pressure on taiwan from the chinese regime in the future which could include revamping the 2005 secession law building on beijing's oppressive national security law in hong kong and in terms of russians russia's invasion of ukraine um do you think this has had any influence on what the chinese communist party is now doing towards taiwan
18: I think we don't want to overestimate that. Quite frankly, um, I mean, the, China's, the Chinese Communist Party's policy on, on Taiwan has been pretty consistent. Um, I think Chinese-American relations have been on a fairly consistent downhill path, both before the, from well before the Ukraine uh, invasion, and indeed, um, you know, on, on the matter of Taiwan, the tensions have been uh, in, in increasing well before February this year. So uh, I wouldn't overestimate the, the effect of that. I mean, they're important matters connected with the Ukraine invasion. And I've no doubt that China is studying very closely the effects of sanctions and trying to work out what might happen to it in the event of what sort of sanctions the West might impose should it invade Taiwan. Um, that That's certainly That work would have been given added urgency, but but I don't think that we should uh, see a direct read across.
17: The military exercises were in six zones around Taiwan that Beijing claims as its own territory. Japan's defence minister says there are serious threats to Japan's national security and the safety of the Japanese people. The military drills are expected to end on Sunday. Jane Rural, NTD News.
0: And more on China. A security firm has found dozens of fake websites engaged in a massive pro-China misinformation campaign. One fake news story involves a U.S. senator. Here's that story.
9: At least 72 fake news sites and multiple social media accounts were found to be spreading pro-China propaganda. That's according to a new report from cybersecurity firm Mandiant. The company identified these sites as part of a massive information operation campaign that's still running. Mandiant says the website's aim is to disseminate content strategically aligned with the political interests of the People's Republic of China. The report attaches a list of these fake websites. They have names like Austria Weekly and Focus on Russia. They present themselves as independent news from around the world and publish content in 11 languages. Mandian says they believe one Chinese public relations firm operates behind them, Shanghai Haishun Technology Corporation. Content on these sites is mainly critical of the U.S. and Western societies. They seek to ease concerns over democracy in Hong Kong and human rights issues in China. But neither the authors of the articles nor the ownership of the sites are specified. Some of the fabrications are related to U.S. officials. One suspended Twitter account posted a letter allegedly sent to anthropologist Adrian Zenz, a well-known critic of China's treatment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang. The post implies that the German scholar received funding from U.S. Senator Marco Rubio and former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon. This story was republished on other websites. Senator Rubio later confirmed the letter is a forgery. In a statement to Bloomberg, he said it is important to expose these networks and that the Chinese Communist Party will continue to discredit its opponents in increasingly sophisticated ways. Although the propaganda campaign was massive, Mandiant researchers note that it hasn't made much of an impact. Meanwhile, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee about Chinese espionage.
2: This is a problem of massive, massive scale. Uh, And to some extent, as a country, we're playing catch-up on the threat. Um, And so part of what I've got all our people doing is, is out there beating the bushes, interacting
9: with the business community, the academic community. Ray also warned that Beijing's espionage has become the greatest long-term threat to our nation's information and intellectual property.
0: And now to Ukraine. Human rights group Amnesty International has accused Ukraine of endangering civilians by basing troops in schools, residential buildings, and other populated places during Russia's invasion. President Volodymyr Zelensky has now responded to those allegations. More on this from NTD's Eddie Aitken.
6: Amnesty International in a new report said it found evidence of Ukrainian forces launching strikes from within residential areas as well as basing themselves in civilian buildings in 19 towns and villages in at least three regions. And yes Kalamard, Amnesty International Secretary-General, said the group has documented a pattern of Ukrainian forces putting civilians at risk and violating the laws of war when they operate in populated areas, adding being in a defensive position does not exempt the Ukrainian military from respecting international humanitarian law. AP reported last week that a woman was killed in a missile strike in the city of Pokrovsk, in the eastern Donetsk region. Neighbors expressed anger that Ukrainian soldiers had set up base in a residential area on the city's outskirts. And they called on the Ukrainian government to ensure that its forces were located away from populated areas. The Ukrainian president sharply denounced the report as unfair and one-sided, accusing the group of trying to shift the responsibility from the aggressor to the victim. He said Russian troops have deliberately and repeatedly targeted civilians and civilian institutions in thousands of cases. This is such immoral selectivity. Anyone who amnesties Russia and who artificially creates such informational context where some attacks by terrorists are supposedly justified or supposedly understandable cannot fail to understand that in doing so they are helping the terrorists. And if there are such manipulative reports, then you share with them the responsibility for the death of people. Russian state and pro-Kremlin media have extensively quoted the report who's finding somewhat aligned with Moscow's official narrative. Russia has justified attacks on civilian areas by alleging that Ukrainian fighters are setting up fighting positions there. Eddie Aitken, NTD News.
0: Coming up, a Chicago family wants to help save monarch butterflies after they were labeled an endangered species by a global conservation group. That and more when we return on NTD News. Welcome back. A few years back, a Chicago family started a small project to create a better living environment. After a nature conservation group listed the monarch butterfly as an endangered species, the project now has more meaning than ever. Here's that story. Claudia
1: Galeno Sanchez and her family started a butterfly garden after attending a workshop about raising butterflies six years ago. Now with monarch butterflies declared an endangered species by the International Union for Conservation of Nature, the butterfly garden has turned into a sanctuary for the monarchs.
19: Butterflies, they have like this magical, they are like magical creatures. They are beautiful, but they are also very important pollinators.
1: The family planted a variety of milkweeds and native plants to attract monarchs. Milkweed is a host plant for the monarchs to lay eggs and a food source for caterpillars. Adult monarchs feed on the nectar of native plants.
19: The past years, I have seen more butterflies, more monarch butterflies. But last year, especially this year, I don't see many butterflies, many monarch butterflies. The number of butterflies is decreasing so rapidly and it's very... It's very sad, but it's also, it makes me very worried.
1: Galeno Sanchez's husband, Leone Jose Bicchieri, says pollinators such as monarchs are important to humans.
16: So many people say, well, yeah, the monarch's in danger of being extinct. that's kind of too bad, oh well. It's much deeper than that. Without pollinators, such as the monarch, other butterflies, bees, and others, who are dying out for a variety of reasons, mainly degradation to the environment, we're not gonna eat, because pollinators pollinate the fruits and the vegetables that we eat.
1: The Butterfly Sanctuary is a family project. The couple's daughter, also named Claudia, helps out too. I help my mom take care of the caterpillars. In 2021, Galeno Sanchez and a group of women rolled out a project called Women for Green Spaces, using her butterfly garden as a model. The goal is to promote green outdoor spaces for the health of families and the enjoyment of communities. The group collaborates with Chicago Public Schools to build milkweed gardens and hosts workshops in the community.
19: We have workshops for people that want to learn how to raise butterflies and also which plants are the best plants for your Navy garden. And after the workshops, usually we are giving plants away, Navy plants. Galeno Sanchez hopes
1: that her butterfly sanctuary can be a model for other families to help save the endangered monarchs and benefit families and communities reporting by Angela Moy,
0: NTD News Chicago. Just beautiful. Well, that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.